I'm Lillian Vasquez with Life Spells on KVCR. Thank you for listening. On today's show, I'll speak with Dennis Anderson, Artistic Director of Ramona, presented by the Ramona Bowl Amphitheater. Ramona is the nation's longest-running outdoor drama where hundreds of actors, Spanish dancers, musicians, horses, and cowboys come together in the hills of Hemet to offer a glimpse into the history of Southern California's native people. Dennis will share the story and the production process of Ramona, now celebrating 101 years. Also on the show, I'll speak with student filmmaker Brianna Navarro about her full-length film, A Man's Do. Brianna's film will be showcased during WolverineCon and the International Student Film Festival here on the campus of San Bernardino Valley College. WolverineCon and the Student Film Festival will take place March 5th through the 8th. But up first, it's my conversation with Dennis Anderson, Artistic Director of Ramona. Welcome and thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, Lillian. All right. So the Ramona Bowl and the play have been around a long time, like a century-long time. Let's share with those that may not be familiar the story of Ramona. Well, Ramona is based on a 1884 novel by Helen Hunt Jackson, which is a very famous novel in the late 19th century and early 20th century. Uh, Helen Hunt Jackson uh, toured all over California uh, putting together a story about a young woman who is raised not realizing she is Native American, and she falls in love with a Native American, Alessandro. And Alessandro, that character is actually based on a real character whose name was Juan Diego. And in the San Jacinto area, uh, Juan Diego was shot down by uh, a very bad man (laughs) named Sam Temple. And that was kind of the basis for her novel. But she also romanticized it with, you know, wonderful tales of the missions and the people of the ranchos and the Californios. And so in 1923, Garnet Holm, uh, an English uh, director and actor, um, wrote the script for uh, Ramona, and he began directing it right here in the Ramona Bowl Amphitheater. And it's been going on from the same place, the same 160 acres, since April of uh, 1923. So we just celebrated our 100th, and now we're in our 101st. People of Hemet San Jacinto have been doing this outdoor drama for 101 years. So you've been doing this for two centuries, in essence, right? (laughs) (laughs) I've been director for about 27 years. Uh, I've been with the play total about 30 years. All right. And your whole family's been involved. Share a little bit about your family's involvement over the years. Well, sure. Um, We moved here in 1956 when I was uh, in fourth grade. And my dad, uh, who was a singer, he was in the show by April uh, as a chorus member. My mom worked in the box office. Later on, she played the role of uh, Senora. And uh, then my uh, future wife played Ramona, the lead character, in the 80s. And then she played other characters. She was a Spanish dancer. She was understudied for Margarita. She is celebrating. This is her 40th year with Ramona. And uh, the last 27 years, she's been my assistant director, and also she has uh, been playing the role of Senora for the past 15 years. And our children were in the show, too, as Rancho Kids. So we're very typical of a lot of people in the Hemet-San Jacinto Valley who, generation after generation, have 
been in the play, either as actors, dancers, cowboys, backstage, or whatever. So it, it is a truly community-based event, mostly from cities of Hemet and San Jacinto and outlying areas. So those cities that you just mentioned are probably very familiar with it. They probably see the advertisement in restaurants and all the local businesses there. But for those that have never tootled down to Hemet, <laughs> share what they will see. Because it's so unique, the staging of this production is so unique because it's outdoors and the theater or the the stage is is dirt or flower beds or the casa. So paint a picture so our listeners that have never seen it kind of get a feel for it. Uh, even though they're sitting in seats, share the experience. Well, sure. When you walk into the amphitheater, it's a 5,000-seat amphitheater. Our mission is to make you walk back like in a time machine to a rancho in 1850. So we have very little, if any, theatrical scenery. It's all outdoors. It's authentic. It's real. The Hacienda was built in 1936 and still stands. It's a replica of a 1850s rancho. The acting area is about 150 feet wide uh, by about 500 feet deep, but that doesn't include all the surrounding hills. And we have about 300 people in the show. The youngest actor is five years old, and the oldest is 93. And these people are representing what you might see in a rancho in 1850. So you'll see definitely Spanish caballeros. You'll see Spanish dancers. You'll see Native Americans. And we also have the Americanos that come into the play towards the end. So it's a rich outdoor drama with costuming, which is fairly authentic to the period, And we want you to just see what the vibrancy is of being outdoors. Now, surrounding this, of course, are the beautiful San Jacinto Mountains. And uh, this time of the year, they're covered with snow. The rains we've been receiving are going to absolutely have the most beautiful green flowers and wisteria blooming around the hacienda by April. So if you go on the RamonaBowl.com website, you'll see some pictures of the bowl. But it is a beautiful experience. I mean, we, we do the show at 3.30 in the afternoon. We, we don't do it in the evening. We don't do lighting or anything tricky. We have a beautiful new sound system this year. But everything is like you're sitting outdoors. And I want to say this. Garnet Holm, the director, he found this property with the Chamber of Commerce. And he wanted the hillside where the show is performed be facing west. So as the sun sets at the end of the play, the curtain call and everything is bathed in this beautiful golden light. And as you watch the play and the dramatic ending of the play, you will see the last few minutes of the show have this incredible natural lighting. I mean, Garner Holm was just just a genius. The bowl is open most days of the week, so if anybody wanted to come down and actually see it, Ramona Bowl Amphitheater in Hemet, California. But it's extraordinary. Uh, we have Spanish dancing. We have Native American dancing. We have cowboys. Just, it's great. We used to call it a pageant. I mean, that was a very common theme in the 1920s. It still has a lot of pageantry. So that's about the best I can do. I think that's great. that's pretty doggone good. I think it was very <laughs> fortuitous of Garner Holmes to think about setting it the way he did with the sun going down. How he would thought of that was uh, was quite ingenious. 
It wasn't. I mean, you think about 1923 when they bought the 160 acres for like $10 an acre, and he he was already an outdoor drama master throughout California. But we are in the same acting area since 1923. I mean, we haven't gone anywhere else. Now, some things have changed over the years because I know I went when I was much younger, and I've been again since. But back in the day, and I think when I talked to your wife at one point, she said that you didn't have the microphones, right? So you had to have people that could really belt out some of that dialogue. Now, today's technology has allowed for, well, you tell me, what has technology done for the play? Well, yeah, from yeah, from 1923 to roughly... 1990, there were no microphones. And so the actors that were hired to play the roles had these big voices. Now, to be honest, there is a kind of a natural acoustics in the bowl that throws your voice. But the great actors, Dorothy Vosberg and Maurice Hara, Frank Sorrell, yeah, you had to have a, a very big voice. Now, some of our actors still do that have been with the were with the old show back in the 80s. They still have that big voice. So the only thing we've really added, and we've improved it every year, is uh, wireless mics for the actors. And uh, we keep those hidden. So the audience is not aware. I mean, we are, they're watching a play, but it's not obviously theatrical. Right. We try to make everything as authentic as possible. But we have, uh, we've just invested in a, a revamped sound system nice. this year, which we are installing as we speak. And it's, it's quite exciting. We have 32 principal actors. 13 of which are cowboys. So we have cowboys charging down the hill on horseback. How do you direct with... the horses? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's something about the horses. These are real cowboys, incidentally, who are actors. Yes. Second. The horses love kind of regimen. They learn the blocking. Once the horses run it about five or six times during the play, the horses almost automatically go where they're supposed to go. They hit their mark, huh? <laughs> they hit their marks. And the cowboys will talk about that. And we've had some horses that have been in the play for about 30 years. And one is buried on the site with a brass plaque. But, yeah, the, the, the horses, oh. uh, they, they do really well. And, of course, these are there's a scene where the cowboys descend down this very huge hill. It's about a 500 feet drop down into the bowl mm. and when the cowboys come down it's really neat we've cut trails for them and everything like that but yeah. uh, all right i want to ask about a couple of well at least one famous actress that played ramona and i'm referring to raquel welch yes uh, raquel tejada was her name at that time yeah she played it in the early 60s she played it i think for two years uh this was before she took off you know in her career and, uh, yes, yeah, she played it with Mauricio Hara, who was a uh, very famous Mexican actor and director. Um, he was seen in a lot of movies in the 40s. He actually was a Marine that fought on Iwo Jima. Oh. When I came into the play as a young man in the late 60s, I mean, most of the uh, male actors had, had fought in World War II. But anyway, yes, yeah, she did. She played uh, Ramona for uh, 60, 61, and then about... Eight or nine years later, her career started to take off, and she came back to see us. Um, oh, nice. About, I think about 13 years ago, uh, she came on stage before the show and talked to the audience. Oh, but, how lovely. All yeah. right, so why do you think everyone should see this play at least one time in their life? Okay, well, first of all, I think just from a theatrical experience, I mean, it is theater. It's a big 
production. I, I don't want to say it's like a musical theater because it, we have a lot more authenticity in our performance style. But everybody should see an outdoor drama. It's California's official state outdoor play, and it's the longest-running outdoor drama in the history of the United States. But just come and experience it. I mean, you know, it's an hour drive from Riverside, maybe hour and 15 minutes from San Bernardino. It's our Riverside County Inland Empire, San Bernardino County heritage. So they should see it for that. But I want to say more importantly, the play is about racism and oppression. And that is still going on. That's why Helen Hunt Jackson wrote the novel about how the Native Americans were oppressed and treated, not only across the nation, but here in California. And so when you see this story, this love story between uh, Ramon and Alessandro, it, it rings on, well, first of all, the racism against people that are Native American. I mean, that was so prevalent, obviously, throughout the 19th century. But here is a man and a woman who want to marry, and everybody's opposed to it because even though she is Native American, she's been raised Spanish, and the hierarchy at that time would never permit her to marry a Native American. But you take it away from racism, and when you deal today with somebody who wants to marry somebody, and we say, no, you cannot marry that person because whatever the reason is, those issues are still going on. Yeah. I've had people that worked with me in the 70s and 80s and said, you know, we always thought the racism was going to kind of be done by mm -hmm. the 80s. And they would say, you know, I don't know if Ramona's going to be relevant. <laughs> well, here we are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. Yeah. Now, if you look at the news, I mean, you know, people are always being oppressed or killed. It's it's horrible. All right. Well, let's end on a positive note. Yes. Ramona will be April 20th and 21st, the 27th and 28th, and May 4th and 5th. And it'll be in the hills of Hemet. Dennis, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you so much. For more information about Ramona, visit us at kvcrnews.org slash lifestyles and click on today's show. You're listening to Lifestyles on KVCR. We need to take a quick break, and when we return, I'll speak with student filmmaker Brianna Navarro, who talks about the process of writing and directing her full-length film, A Man's Do. I'm Lillian Vasquez. We'll be right back. Stay with us. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Lifestyles on KVCR. I'm Lillian Vasquez. My guest now is San Bernardino Valley College student filmmaker Brianna Navarro, who's going to talk about her film, A Man's Do, which will be part of the Wolverine Con and the International Student Film Festival here on the campus of San Bernardino Valley College. Welcome and thank you for joining us. Hello, thank you for having me. Okay, so most student films are typically maybe 8 to 20 minutes in length, but your film is like 90 minutes. Yeah. You wrote it, directed it, edit it. This is quite an accomplishment. First, I want to talk about the premise of the storyline. Share that with me. So it's about three teenage best friends who try to conjure up a plan to take down their town's bully before he destroys their favorite spots in their town. And their homes, right? <laughs> yes, and their homes. So spoiler alert, we lose some homes, we lose businesses, 
And then we get to see how these slowly start to affect the characters, and then we see how they react and what drives them to wanting to conjure up this plan just so that they can stop this havoc from tearing their town apart, which is really precious to their childhood. Right. Okay. So your lead characters are Jessica, Isaac, and Megan. The antagonist is Rodney. And your comic relief, I'm going to say, is Ned, who we've had here on this show as a guest because he's a student here at Valley College and in the theater department. So talk to me about casting your actors and making all the arrangements for all the scenes. But first, tell me about casting your actors. So I wrote the characters for specific actors that I had in mind already. And originally, it's funny because I'm a writer and I'm also an actor. So a lot of the films that I write, I tend to typically write myself as the lead. So I pictured myself to play the lead, which was Jesse. But this was before it turned into a feature film script. And I knew I wanted to direct it for sure. And I knew that directing and acting would not be an easy thing to do. So I stepped away from wanting to play the lead. And I held auditions for Jesse's character. We came to this one person who fit this character perfectly. She embodied Jesse, and it was just meant to be. Well, it was good casting. I thought that all you. the students did a did a great job. And even the woman who plays your mother and the police officer and uh, many of the other characters, how did you find these people that were in the community? I get yeah. where you got some of the students, yeah. but the adults. So my goal was to cast within the Inland Empire because I know that you know, our go-to whenever we're casting, we want to cast people from L.A. or, you know, somewhere. They're typically very far, but to make it easier on us working on the project and for the actors to get to these locations, I wanted to keep it local and so that we can support our local actors as well. So a lot of the actors that are in this film, I knew personally. The one who plays the officer is my professor, Kevin Lyons, who's a professor here at San Bernardino Valley College in the film department. The mother who plays Priscilla, I met her through mutuals, but she was also a part of the theater department here at San Bernardino Valley College. Okay. I think I'm going to have to sell the house. What? Mom, you can't. I wouldn't be able to afford it, at least not for more than a couple of months. They're cutting our hours back at the hospital, and the savings I have is supposed to go towards your college, and yes, you are going to college, so that money is off limits. Even if it means selling our house? Yes, even then. But you even said it yourself. Dad wouldn't want you to sell the house. Jessica, please. No! Mom, just listen. I mean, you can't sell the house. This isn't fair. I want to talk about some of the locations and how you went about finding... I mean, I recognize most of the locations, even the what I'm calling the barber shop, right? Yes. Because that's where my son gets his haircut. So I recognize a lot of the locations, but how did you go about setting up all those locations and getting permission and working that whole thing? We kind of worked the barbershop scene in last minute because we thought it would be a funny location for a coffee shop, which you'll see in the film. Ned's coffee shop is merged in with a barbershop. And so my audio engineer, he goes to this barbershop, which is in Colton, which is like about five minutes from Valley. And he brought up the fact that we were making a film and the owner told him that if we ever wanted to film in the barbershop, we're free to come in, just let them know like what the days are and the times, and then we could schedule it. 
he gave me that idea and I just I found a way to work it into the script and we just spent a whole day filming in the barbershop and we even had the owner make a little cameo in the scene she's like cutting hair anywhere that we really go any location we try to network with the owners or people there just because it's good to have these locations on hand when you want to film sure let's talk about your opening scene did you always have that opening scene in mind where Somebody's digging? No. So that opening scene was a last-minute kind of write-in. That scene was filmed this year. Me and my professors watched the full feature, Rough Assembly. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't like the clean edit yet. It was just like my scenes mashed up together, and we would just watch it and make notes. So my original opening scene was the scene with Jesse and then Rodney approaching with his car. But... They said that it was too quick to be introduced to the main characters, so we had to think of an opening that'll leave the audience hanging, like wondering, like, who is this and why did we just see this? Right, and that's exactly what it did, so it worked. Let me reintroduce my guest is Brianna Navarro. She's a student filmmaker here on the campus of San Bernardino Valley College. Her film is A Man's Do, and it will be entered into the Wolverine Con Film Festival that'll take place also here on the campus of San Bernardino Valley College in March. I know there had to be a lot of challenges. I'm sure you had fun with it as well, but what would you say was the greatest challenge? It was just kind of throwing myself into the directing shoes for the first time. So this was my directing debut, and it happened to be a full feature length. So I definitely underestimated the role of a director a full feature, it takes much more of you, and it's yeah. <laughs> and we did it three months. And thinking about it now, it's so impressive to me, all of us together, because we shot every single week for three months, at least three days a week, hmm. and it was like whole day shoots. Now, no one's getting paid, right? They're and just doing no this because they're paid. supporting a student exactly. film, right? Yeah, we that's paid them. Awesome. It was a copy meal and credit, so we gave them a copy of the part that they played, uh-huh. and then we provided meal for them, craft services, and then we'll credit them in the credits with the role that they played. How did you fund it? We got funded through the San Bernardino Valley College's film department, film, television, and media. Lucas Cooney, he's the faculty chair for the film department. He helped fund this project. He helped me with the insurance part of it, the equipment, and then the craft services. Got it. Okay. So as you indicated, you wrote it, you directed it, you edited it. Mm-hmm. Which role did you enjoy the most? Writing. Writing? I, I definitely enjoy the writing process the most because it's... Is that the most creative part? I, it is. Whenever I'm writing, I'm playing the picture in my head, and mm. it's just, it's pretty. Now, the story that you wrote originally, was yes. that the story that you finished with, or was there a lot of rewrites, or did you change things along the way because it didn't make sense, or... Tell me that scenario. So the original screenplay was about 40 pages. It's the same, but there were definitely a lot of details added Mm. in and then more to each character's stories. I really needed to beef it up a bit because 40 minutes is too small to be a full feature movie and it's too long to be a short film. 
Well, I got to say, one of the parts that I, I really enjoyed was when they're going into Rodney's house to break in. Mm-hmm. Not the time when you guys actually get in there and you're at the party, but when you're trying to break into it and you see the cameras up there. And, and some of the shots were, were very good. A lot of detail. I also like the shot where the three lead characters are in the car and they're plotting what they're going to do. And the and the shot is shot from the bottom up, yes. right? So that was very clever. Fish eye angle. I love is that. Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. What did you learn along the way? To make sure that I remember to keep my voice with the projects that I work on. I think a lot of times I would get stuck in my head. I still do. And for anyone, you know, that also gets stuck in their head when it comes to creating their projects. I think we like to compare to all of the other things that we see and we like, but we have to remember what speaks to us, what's our signature, and how do we show our voice? Like, how does this film represent me? Right, okay. And who would you say is your target audience? I mean, the dream age group would be, you know, everyone. I hope everyone gets to enjoy this film, but I think my target audience is always the teens to young adults, mm. because I'm a young adult myself, so a lot of the jokes that I write in or experiences that I write in, I'm writing from experience, and I'm hoping that I can, you know, relate to people my age or even younger. Okay. Tell me about the Wolverine Con. When is it? How does it happen? What's going on? Yeah, so Wolverine Con is an international student film festival. It's happening this year from March 5th through March 8th that takes place at San Bernardino Valley College. The tickets are still available. You can get them at Film Freeway slash WolverineCon. Your film will be entered? My film will be premiering at the red carpet on WolverineCon, which is on March 7th. And how do you think you're going to feel when you're sitting in the audience and people are watching your film? Oh, wow. Nervous or excited? I'm nervous and excited. I think I'm just going to be watching the people react rather than watch my film. I'm nervous that I will do that. I don't want to do that. I want to, you know, enjoy the film with my cast, with my crew and my family and all my friends that go. But I I already know myself. I'm going to be seeing if people get the jokes. But this is a good time for me, too, because I can make those notes because I can always alter the edit afterwards when I start submitting them to the film festivals. Like, okay, maybe this joke didn't hit or maybe this scene drags a little bit. Uh, I can uh, still make edits after. All right. What's next on your plate? Do you have another film you want to do? Oh, there's so many projects that I want to start on, but I think I want to get back into acting first. So I'm taking a break on directing. I'm still writing. I'm still writing short scripts for short films, and I'm just handing them to my friends. I'm like, here, please take it over. But if you want an actor, please, you know, I'm here. But I do want to get more into acting, so I'm taking a break on directing after that feature film. (laughs) (laughs) It's quite an accomplishment. You should be very proud, as I'm sure your family is. Brianna, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. For more information about WolverineCon and the San Bernardino Valley College International Film Festival, visit us at kvcrnews.org lifestyles and click on today's show. That's our show for this week. To hear any of our past shows, check out the archives at kvcrnews.org lifestyles or listen to Lifestyles on the KVCR app. You can also listen to Lifestyles on your favorite streaming service. Search for Lifestyles with Lillian Vasquez and take the show on the go. Lifestyles is on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks to all who helped to make this show possible, including Sharina Wad, 
David Fleming, Sean Houlihan, and executive producer Rick Bulock. Our theme music is provided by Ethan Bortnick. Join me next week at the same time for Lifestyles with me, Lillian Boskins. Bye for now.